Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Awesome. All right. We have Chris Griggs, the one and only. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining me on She's All Over the Place. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to do it. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, uh, Chris, uh, where are you from, Chris? I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, originally. Uh, but I've lived in New York now for, oh my gosh, I don't know, 15 to 20 years, somewhere in there. So I feel like a New Yorker now. Wonderful. And uh, your main focus as a human being and as an artist is in the world of stand-up comedy, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely am one. I'm kind of one of those slash people, I guess. I mean, it's kind of hard, especially if you live in Manhattan, to uh, kind of make a living on one art. <laughs> so I'm a stand-up comedian uh, and an actor, and I've been in a few things, and I've taught uh, improvisation for a pretty good chunk of time. Okay, and then you teach improv at the pit, right? I teach improv at the, yeah, the pit, People's Improv Theater. I've taught improv for probably about 13 years now, and I've taught uh, an intro stand-up class at the pit for about three years, and then I also have done my own private, you know, private sessions with people and, and work with people outside uh, the theater more as it relates to like private coaching and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then um, did you study UCB, um, the Amy Poehler uh, theory program that she created? I started when I first uh, came out to New York, I started with Second City. They had a Second City program at the time and they had five levels and they were going to start a theater in New York at the time. I guess that was the aspiration. And I was uh, felt fortunate. I started studying with um, all of the uh, three members of what's kind of known as Centralia now. They used to be Burn Manhattan. And then I also studied with Jack McBrayer, uh, who's in 30 Rock on uh, at Second City as well. And then after I completed their program, I auditioned and was in the Second City Review Showcase uh, that was here in New York, which was improv to sketch. And it was also had music and there was singing and choreography. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then I went to UCB, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, and went through all of their levels. And uh, there I remember I had some really good, I've really been lucky with teachers. Um, I had, uh, I got to study with Seth Morris, who is amazing. I think he was the uh, artistic director in LA UCB for a while. And I studied uh, with Billy Merritt. Billy Merritt's the only guy I've ever taken two classes from. Uh, Billy was fantastic. He also wrote a book, uh, Robots, Pirates, and Ninjas, which I would highly recommend. It's very good. Okay. And then I studied with Matt Walsh at UCB. So I kind of caught him back when he was in New York a little bit. And that was a lot of fun. And then uh, Walsh also directed a improv to sketch show that I did at UCB that was also interesting. So it's uh, early on, I, I got a lot of improv, but I also got a lot of uh, training as far as like how to translate improvisation and make it into written form and make it into sketch. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as, as we know, then I drifted through the pit after that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you cheat. Um, th that's how we met. You, you were my teacher um, at the stand up uh, for stand up for the stand up. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 definitely. I learned so much information and I'm so grateful for you in the class and everything you taught us. And it was really cool seeing from day one the, you know, the I guess the verbiage is um, stream of consciousness. And then so me going from storytelling to stream of consciousness to getting it down to the format of setup punchline tag setup punchline tag and and how you know challenging um you know and how disciplined one must be 
to uh, create that. And then, you know, boom, like six, seven weeks later, I'm on, I'm on a, I'm on a stage with you and I'm doing my first stand up you know, performance with these written jokes. And it was just like, it was <laughs> really fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I learned so much in a short time. And, and now I'm just like, you know, I have some legal pads and I'm just writing, but I, um, for me, it's a, I need to be able to, um, the, the, the writing part is sitting down and actually like writing it in the, in the format. But also I look forward to it as well. Everyone has their different challenges. That's great. Yeah. And you know, eventually, you'll find a, a format that works for you. I mean, I think that a lot of, uh, you know, setup punchline format is kind of just middle C on a piano and eventually people can kind of play jazz. So ultimately, I think with, with stand-up, it's really just kind of finding your voice and uh, you're just, you're writing to a laugh count. You know, you want to try to, you know, get people laughing as much as possible and whatever format that takes long-term, that's fine. It's more just a, it's a good baseline way to start thinking about writing jokes. Yeah, and I love, um, you know, how while I was there, I learned we, you know, write from the core, from the inside, which is um, like an autobiography. And that was like really interesting because then I went on to watching all these Netflix specials. And I mean, I have a huge list. The list just goes on of all these amazing and not amazing, you know, all these just people in the, in the, in the world of comedy, a list of these people and just like really identifying and appreciating each individual as an art form and, and their own personal stories. And, and all of it is rooted from, you know, the truth of the personal stories. And like you were saying, like, no one can do what you're going to do. No one can do what I'm going to do because we all have different circumstances in those finite details make or break, you know, the, the one joke from another and one story from another. I think so. I mean, I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday, weirdly enough, we were talking about uh, the Dave Chappelle special and just stand up in general. And they were more of the mind that they only wanted the funniest people to get opportunities for things. And it should always be about the funniest people. And I was sort of basically saying to what you're saying is that it's good to have everyone's story involved. You know, I like, I like autobiographical based stand up or at the least to start out from an autobiographical standpoint. And then as you evolve, it's going to sound like your own personal story anyway, because you'll have developed your voice. But then ultimately it's great to have just people from all walks of life and all different life experiences and to hear, you know, what they, that they want to talk about. And and again, I mean, ultimately, any professional comedian has to be funny. That's sort of a prerequisite. But it's nice to have it's nice to have all the stories out there now, and it's nice to hear what different different people's perspectives that are kind of into the marketplace uh, these days. Definitely, definitely. Um, who are your um, go to? A couple of your legendary classic stand up comics. Uh, well, I mean, growing up, uh, Steve Martin was a big influence on me growing up, and uh, sadly, uh, Bill Cosby was a big influence on me growing up which is, uh, it's kind of sad, the path that his life ultimately kind of took. But uh, I, I had all of his old albums. Uh, Red Fox was kind of someone that I was always into. I think maybe it was just more because he was dirty. And uh, I don't know if it was kind of taboo at the time, but I, I used to love to listen to old uh, Red Fox recordings. And, and on a record? Yeah, I don't know that. I don't, I'm, now I'm trying to go back. I, maybe I did have a Red Fox record. I definitely listened to Red Fox. And I don't know if it was through cassettes or record players, but I definitely would listen to some of his old stuff. 
Um, but now with Steve, I know with Steve Martin, I would get his albums because, uh, and then the particular album that I really like, he had an album called uh, Let's Get Small. And that mm-hmm. was one that I remembered was really, really kind of, oh, wow, that's really cool that you can do that. And I think it's, it kind of makes sense with me now because I do a lot of comedic acting and improvisation, but I'm also a stand-up comic. So Steve Martin, I can see like a younger me kind of split the difference <laughs> between the two. He was very presentational, but at the same time, he's really, really good. Uh, he's just a really good comic. And then uh, Eddie Murphy was a big, big influence. Uh, I was, and he, probably for the same reasons, I was blown away by anyone that could do SNL um, and then act in the films that he was acting in and sing and just all around. And I would still say, at least in my lifetime, I think pound for pound in terms of raw talent and versatility, I think Eddie Murphy's probably the most versatile and talented uh, comedic artist in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And um, then, uh, yeah, and then it kind of evolved. Uh, I was huge, and I still am. I'm a huge Chris Rock fan, and <laughs> and I guess now, and now my favorite comedian is, you know, I mean, and I like a lot of comedians, but I, I love Dave Chappelle. I love, oh, yeah, love, love Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And then uh, Joan Rivers. I've always loved Joan Rivers a lot. Um, so yeah, I always, I always found her just to be fearless and very, very funny. And uh, I've always enjoyed kind of uh, watching Joan Rivers and it would be fun. I wish she were here now. I would love to see kind of how she would uh, take her spin on things in modern times. I mean, call me naive. Honestly, like I had no idea she did stand up. I just remember her. She was like the red carpet lady who was just like balls out about things. And then she had like a daughter and that they were always together. But uh, yeah. And then I think I saw that's what's something. funny sometimes about how the, how it, um, evolves because you know like so to a younger person Steve Harvey might just be the host of Family Feud but Steve Harvey mm-hmm. you know is a legendary stand-up comic you know with the kings of comedy and uh, just you know uh, he was uh, to be reckoned with and and I don't I don't, and, um, you know he still does comedy of course but it's funny how a lot of people think oh Joan Rivers she does those takes on people's fashion on e-television and then it's like no she's She's a legendary stand-up comic, or even like Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, I know she did a special in the last year, but people think of, oh, she's a talk show host. But yeah, Ellen DeGeneres, great stand-up. I watched it. Um, I in our journey through class, I I watched it, and she, I just loved because from what you taught me about, like, oh yeah, the younger comics they speak really fast, um, are loud, and um, so she was just very reserved, took her time. She was very quiet, and it's like, wow, like this is her experience. And then people are saying it's it's called relatable and people were like you know how are you going to do stand-up like do you think you're relatable to people like like that connection and then she just obviously is who she is and she did what she did and it was just amazing to um, know just a little bit about the craft and knowing you know seeing her career evolve since I was little and then watching her do stand-up and it's like a big wind of inspiration you know for for like planting a seed for like my potential future god willing one day (laughs) (laughs) well that's what's i mean you know a lot of it i mean she's kind of now in i mean she's very iconic you know american uh part of the american landscape but you know i mean like ellen degeneres uh her her tonight show special uh her first one uh conversations with god legendary and you know she had a television show and she wanted to come out, you know, as a gay character. And she really, you know, she really, uh, she fought a lot of battles for people. And she was, uh, you know, fearless in that way. 
And now, you know, now she's kind of, she's in a great groove. Now she's just basically, you know, everybody's favorite talk show host, <laughs> daytime mm. talk show host. So she's, uh, but she really did, she really did blaze a lot of territory and, and help a lot of people um, kind of open the door for others to follow. Yeah, she's so sweet. I, I was little, but I remember there was like a big whole thing about like, you know, her coming out and stuff and like the media really ran that one to the ground, right? <laughs> um, well, yeah, because she was the first, I mean, you know, and she already had a successful television show. Right. And that's, um, and so it was very, you know, you can imagine, I mean, I'm sure everyone in her camp were like, what are you doing? I mean, you're committing career suicide. <laughs> but it was important to her. And ultimately, you know, she just, she wanted to represent herself. I think that's artists ultimately it's a path to your own self-expression and you're you know artistically you're only going to be as interesting as an artist as you can bring yourself to the party so you know so nobody really wants to try to you know you want to be yourself ultimately bring bring your own voice to your art and i'm sure yeah. that probably had a lot to do with it yeah i um was listening to the audiobook katie couric's audiobook and she has different people on it's so cool there's comics steve harvey was on there and, um, you know, but first, um, also like, uh, Ellen was on there and she gave the scenario how, you know, someone in her life, um, I think her partner passed away in a car accident and she really had that time to isolate and reflect at a very young age. And that's when she wrote the conversations with God. And that's when I like went online to, to watch it. So, and seeing her like, so, so super young, I think she had that fluffy hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. But um, besides the talk show thing, I haven't actually seen um, her character piece on it. If there's, um, you know, where can, where can someone see that? Well, I think, um, for, I mean, for conversations with God, you just would go, it's just her Tonight Show bit. But I mean, okay. her, she, her television show, though, in general, people can just Google it and find it. It was, I mean, there was multiple seasons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen I don't that. think I she did a one-person show out of it or anything like that, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look that up. So since we're talking about that um, Katie Couric book, um, also Steve Harvey, there was a, they told his, his life story, his scenario of what happened. And it's just remarkable. And I definitely feel like everyone should definitely hear that read. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they really, I mean, you know, blaze, uh, blaze the path. And I really do think for any stand-up comics, if they haven't really watched the Kings of Comedy, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's must, must see. Everyone should see it because all, all of the people on that tour have amazing stories. And, you know, Bernie Mac, particularly out of that tour, Steve Harvey was obviously on that tour as well. But Bernie Mac was also, a, I'm a huge, huge Bernie Mac fan. And I've read two of his autobiographies. And they all, you know, they came, it wasn't easy. And a lot of the Kings of Comedy Tour really came because people like Steve Harvey and like Bernie Mac, they they really weren't getting some of the opportunities they wanted. So they were like, well, let's just start our own, you know, they started their own tour, did their own thing. So I've heard about the Kings of Comedy. I haven't seen it yet. So uh, definitely during this uh, time of, you know, um, isolation, everyone's at home. I think it would be a really opportune time to be able to watch it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that's not on my list, but I, I am <laughs> I am on it. <laughs> Next time you talk to me, I'll be like, yep, I marathon that. <laughs> cool. So do you know um, Steve Harvey's story? Does it say um, on that his story? They didn't really get into anyone's story. I mean, basically, you know, it's D.L. Hughley and, uh, and Steve Harvey and and Bernie Mac, um, and they, 
it was like four of them and they were friends and they just really start from the concert of them doing a show together. So they would all get up and do stand up, and they were selling out all over, over the country. And it started out that way. And then ultimately it became a documentary film. And that's what Netflix is basically just shooting special, but they don't really get into a lot of people's backstories. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it, I mean, to some degree, a lot of it is, you know, I think it's hard for any stand-up comedian to really get anywhere. Um, but I think oh, they were, you know, they were uh, older African-American men. And so, you know, there's a lot of grind. I'm much more familiar with like Bernie Mac than I am as far as like Steve Harvey, as far as like what he kind of went through. I think probably the first time I ever was even introduced to Steve Harvey was through that film. Okay. Well, I mean, do you want to hear a little bit of the backstory that I picked up from the book? Sure. Okay, so I'll just do this in brush strokes, and it's not going to be like 100% detailed. But so he he had his car. He was driving somewhere. He had like $300. Um, he got a call to do a show in Florida. He did a show. He went to a payphone to check his messages, and it was um, the Apollo and asking him to do a show on Sunday. It was a Thursday or Sunday. And he called back right away and he's like, you know, uh, this is Steve Harvey. You called me to do a show. Like, um, you know, they're like, get here. We want, we want to give you a show and, um, you know, we're going to pay you, um, $500 or something like that. And, and he didn't have the money. He's like, yes, I'll be there. <laughs> and so he went to Florida, he did the show and I guess it, it went over so well that he was able to um, be booked on a second night. And yeah. it was like, oh, it was like $150 a night. And um, they it went so well, they booked him again. So he did two shows in a row. So that got him the $300. And like he boogied his way. I don't know if he, I think he drove. I think, and he drove and he got to the Apollo and he was there. And it was like 12 or two. And they're like, uh, we're not open. And he's like, yeah, I came here. Like I have nowhere else to go. And they allowed him to go to the dressing room upstairs. They're like, you can only stay here if you don't come down so around like three or four he came down and the, he's the guy's like what are you doing he's like man he's like I haven't eaten anything like I need to eat some food so he went across the street to this chicken joint and he got some chicken and he had to come like right back or they were gonna lock him out <laughs> it was like he got chicken he went back upstairs had his chicken he went on and the the, the two owners announced him as Steve Harvey, up and coming, like he's the next biggest, hottest thing and like this whole thing. And then he completely bombed. He completely bombed. It was so horrible. Like he left, like he wasn't going to go back. He, he thought he wasn't funny. He was like so in his head. And um, the guy went to the dressing room. He's like, you know, like he's like, yeah, I'm packing up. I know. I'm so sorry. He's like, yeah, you know, like that was like a real bummer. Like basically you're not getting paid. He's like, I'm not going to take the money. The guy's like, yeah, just see you later. And then at the end, the guy's like, I don't know who that guy was on stage, but tomorrow bring Steve Harvey. And then the next day, Steve Harvey came and he went onto the stage and there was no introduction like, oh, the newest comic, the upcoming da da da. And he, and he went out there. He's like, wait a minute. And he's like, he's like, Where, where's my introduction? Like yesterday you said this, this time you didn't say anything. And people started cracking up. And from there he just like went off. It was like stream of consciousness. And he went off for like whatever show was like 25 minutes. Oh, he, the, the first show he had like 25 minutes. He did everything like in 12 minutes. So the second show, it was like full of like stream of consciousness. People were cracking up because he went out there like, hey, like, why, why aren't you introducing me as blah, 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 blah. And people were cracking up. And so he got his jokes in and then he did, you know, however he did his 
his thing and that you know filled up the 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 time and it was just like it was just like a hit from there but it just a psychological aspect of like he was there booked on the show and he's he's thinking about all these other people who perform there and he's like i'm not funny no one wants to listen listen to me he threw himself under the bus and he went out there and he bombed and then you know so it happens to the best of us even even steve harvey like it, if steve harvey wouldn't have gone back that time or he's like, I'm throwing in the towel because that's what he was saying. Like there would have been no Steve Harvey's career. So he he speaks about that in his own voice on on Katie Couric's book. If you want to hear it better, that's great. Yeah, and I think most stand-up comedians uh, they have some version of where they just decided to keep pushing through. I mean, Bernie Mac's book is uh, I Ain't Afraid of You, and Ooh. it's basically where he had a big set. And everybody was bombing, but it was like the biggest set in his career. And he just kind of started telling the audience. He just started attacking them and saying he's not afraid of you. You know, <laughs> uh, Bill Burr has a set where Philadelphia was booing him when he walked out on stage. And it was like huge thousands of them. And it's, if, you, if you ever Google Bill Burr, Philadelphia rant, he just, he just basically told Philadelphia what a horrible city they were. And he just kept going and going. And he turned them around. And then they started, uh, they started applauding him, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody bombs. And everybody has a moment to where it's – that stand-up is just completely – it's you against the audience on a lot of levels. And you have to – if you show weakness, it just doesn't work. And that whole idea of you bringing your best self – and not really looking to the audience to validate your best self. I think there's a lot of comedians that ultimately kind of get to that point to where they're doing it for themselves. And John Stewart, uh, there's a story about John Stewart doing uh, late night check spots, I think at the Comedy Cellar. And it was only a few or three, two or three drunk people. And it would be like 1 a.m. at night. And he, um, he just eventually was like, I don't, I'm, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it for them. And I think there's a, a switch that goes off in a lot of comedians' heads at some point like that. And that's where the power is. Unlike a lot of other art forms where there's a more of a collaborative nature, you're collaborating with the audience, but you're, you have to clearly be the one driving the bus at all times, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, um, side note, Bill Burr, he has a, a TV show, uh, F is for Family. It's his animation show. I've been wanting to watch that. I haven't me seen too. that, but yeah, I've had people tell me that they really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Like, um, so with my background and my wild personality and very outgoing, like I'm very, very <laughs> um, introverted, you know, um, and, but I'm also very extroverted. And sometimes when I'm extroverted, it's like a, a put on mask. So you don't see the real intimacy and vulnerability of what's going on inside. So I'll just be extra loud and it distracts from like what's going on inside like it's it's a huge shield shield I put up for many years but um so with the stand-up comedy thing like after after the class ended um you know I, I started going to doing some open mics and although I didn't have you know um I had the jokes that we worked on in class and I've been you sure. know, developing some jokes but um I didn't have like new jokes and and I, I would just go up there and just kind of wing it and, and just have the practice of winging it, the practice of seeing what it's like when I'm prepared, when I'm not prepared, just the confidence of going up and just to do it and just like hearing where people's responses, if they like it or if they don't, and, and, and just telling myself, I don't care, I don't really, really care or whatever, it doesn't matter. So all those things play into the development of the whole. So some people, you know, they have, they're intimidated about going on stage or they're intimidated about, you know, being seen. And, and for me, I just have that natural gift and presence of just being on the stage and doing it. And I know that, and I have that there, 
And although I know that and I have that there, I would still continue to push myself to go out to open mics in LA and New York and just go out for open mics just to be out there and present and to learn the community and just kind of try new things and just kind of just fall flat and just allow permission just to have fun and to fall flat. And it could be high or low or that jittery feeling just to kind of develop that internal experience with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody's got to figure out their own path. I mean, so everyone kind of goes at it differently. I, I and you, you know, you have a, cause you, you spent time on stage with your music. So you already have that. Uh, confidence as far as being in front of the audience i mean ultimately people have to write a set and and that's sort of the whole thing any every comedian they have a joke and they keep doing it over and over and over again until it becomes a diamond and then they they keep it they put it in their pocket and it's like oh cool that works now i'll write another joke and i think that whole maturation process is it's hard i mean it's just hard for people to get around um, and so part of it is like confidence on stage and things like that. And then part of it is just the grind of having to write a set, you know, because I, I love improvisation as much as anybody. I mean, I've done improv longer than I've done stand up, but you can't, people can't improvise their way to ever becoming a stand up. Eventually yeah. they're going to have to write a set. Yeah. Now there are people like, uh, I mean like Mark Marin. I think Mark Marin riffs and then writes what he riffs. So, you know, that works. I think he pretty much starts out with, you know, with nothing. And then he goes in and kind of riffs with the audience and then he tapes it and goes back and then he starts writing it from what he improvises. So that, that certainly can work as long as you can capture it and duplicate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then also in the short time of doing open mics and I'm like, okay, okay, past my ego here. Okay. Yeah. I can go up. Yeah. I showed myself I can go up and I'm, I'm going up there and I'm a part of it. That's in play. That's cool. But also, like, there was an assessment and reflection, like, I don't want to waste other people's time. I don't want to waste my time. This is a craft. This is an art. It's supposed to be a certain way. I need to stay home. I need to actually be disciplined and write the jokes and come up and have a tight five and have, like, a real tight five. And and so I'm not wasting my time. So I quickly learned that immediately. Like, i rather not go and just to go up to say, hey, I went up and, like, okay, okay, that's for the ego or that's because you're putting the the open mics in or the time in but no hey like seriously like like get that get that part honed in so it's good to be able just to put it all out there and then um you know keep keep working at it <laughs> yeah do and do a little bit of whatever works you know i mean ultimately you it's 10,000 hours so you got to just put in the time and that first year when i first started i just gave myself permission not to think about it too much and i know it's it's easier said than done but I kind of understood the logic of nothing magical is going to happen this year. I'm going to have to just grind and work. And hopefully, you know, I think the people that stick it out, they learn to love the process of it. You know, they learn to love the good times, bad times, hanging out with stand-up comedians, uh, being, being in shows and all of that. And, and the, just kind of learning to love the entire process of, of doing it. So. Yeah, and getting involved with the online community too. You're on Facebook, right? I am on Facebook. You know, have to you have to be these days. So I, I keep myself uh, have a Twitter, Facebook. I have two Facebook accounts. I have a private one, and then I have a public one uh, that I use mostly for comedy. And then uh, yeah, YouTube, uh, Instagram, everything. I haven't haven't Snapchatted yet. Haven't gone to the Snapchats. But and what's yeah, your I handle on um, Instagram? On Instagram, it's Chris Griggs Comedy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then on uh, Twitter, it's at me, Chris Griggs, uh, C-H-R-I-S-G-R-I-G-G-S. 
And Facebook is Chris Grace Comedy on my public uh, one as well. And then if anyone just wants to find any of my social media things, and I also have my IMDb page and all that on my website. I just revamped it right before all of this happened. So I finished yeah. revamping my website before we had a pandemic. So the, uh, but if you go to chrisgriggscomedy.com, you can find all my social media stuff and uh, have, some, have some comedy bits and parts of, have some comedic acting on my reel, have a little, little stand up on there as a taster and all yeah. that. Yeah. People can um, befriend you and be in your community. And I know after um, the course I took with you, um, you know, you were on the road and doing some gigs here and there. So um, you definitely um, hit the road, right? And do um, gigs. I do. Yeah. I do, mm -hmm. do stand-up. It's unfortunate. I had, uh, I, everything's canceled now because of what's going on in the world. But I had, uh, I had three, uh, three gigs coming up in the, in the, this week that I was excited about. Um, that I was going to be outside of New York. I was going to be in Virginia for a gig and uh, in Maryland for a gig in Delaware. And we were just going to kind of do like a three-day tour, popping off in some places in mm -hmm. those states. But um, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah. I, like to, I like to get out on the road. It's also, you know, you, you're going to make more money on the road if you live in Manhattan because there's so many Manhattan comedians. Even if you get paid, you're not going to get paid as much as you would if you go out and, you know, hit the streets, get outside of New York on the road. Yeah, yeah the um, the Baldwins. You created the Baldwins, right? I was one of, uh, I was an, I guess an improv, I guess a founding member. That would probably be it. Mm -hmm. So I was there from the very beginning and uh, the Baldwins have been around for probably about 12 years. We're probably one of the longest uh, running New York improv groups. And we have had a regular show uh, at the pit. We do the Saturday eight o'clock slot every Saturday at eight o'clock, uh, in the pit underground, um, stage. And it's been uh, great. You know, I mean, I, it's, it's nice that I kind of can do improv at a really high level and we get a lot, uh, we get a lot of big audience. We get a lot of good audience members and a lot of them have never seen improv. We tend to attract a lot of tourists, which is nice. And then also, you know, get to do stand up and act and other things as well. So I'm in a, it's a good time. You know, it's a good time. I, you kind of uh, put in a lot of time working on things. And so it's kind of nice right now because I feel like I'm, I'm in a good place as far as where I am as a performer and I'm creating a lot of things. And I have a writing partner and we uh, probably in about the third round of rewrites on a few pilots that we've been working on. And, Great. Uh, and I'm working on um, this. Everybody, I think, is probably working on a screenplay while everything's going on in New York. So yeah. I've kind of had this screenplay idea in my head head for about a year, year and a half. And I've been working on it while I'm uh, quarantined basically in my apartment for the most part. Yeah. So a lot of writing. <laughs> a lot of writing, which, yeah, a lot of writing. And so, and it's been interesting. I mean, I think with stand up now, it's probably, it's more, it's gone from being like the one thing that I write about to now it's probably Maybe it's become like a three or a four on a couple of other things where I've had to reprioritize. But now the nice thing is now I have time to do it all. I have time to write jokes and have time to pretty much do all of the writing pieces. So it's good. Well, send those scripts my way. I definitely want to read them when they're, you know, ready. Yeah. Well, the pilot, you know, we did live stage readings at the pit and we got notes and uh, we rewrote some things. So, yeah, I have one. I have one. I have one that I like enough that I would send it out to people that, you know, out of those, out of those three, there's one that's industry ready. And then uh, the other two we're still working on. And then, uh, but I'll keep that in mind yeah. as you go on to be super Phoenix, you'll probably have your own film studio at one point. 
<laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> I, I remember um, the very first class, you're like, go to the website on the top right, submit for a show. It takes months for the, you know, the pit, the people's improv to respond back to you. He's like, just take action now and then, um, you know, get the ball rolling. So by the time the class ends, you know, you could go and like have your own show. And I mean, everything you said to do, I was just like, on it, on it, do, do right away. <laughs> I was like, boom, boom, boom. And so like, I'm so grateful, um, you know, ultimately my action and research of my spirit and soul, finding um, the pit, finding the, the class, finding you. And lucky for me, I had you as my teacher and now we, you know, we're developing this bond and friendship, which I'm really thankful for. Um, you know, it's like, I, I sit down and it's like, Oh, this is what you do. And like, I went home and I did it right away. I didn't know what it was going to be or anything. They're like name of the show. And I'm like, Kiriakis first. I'm like, cause I know show. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's the sophisticated psychos um, sure. experience show. That's what it is. It's a variety show. And, um, so, but yeah, I, I had no idea, but I knew I knew to do it. So I followed that energy. I followed that excitement. And so when then when it, I energetically put it out there. So when I got the email and it circled back around, it was like, ah, like a aha moment. And it's like, okay, yeah. so now, now it's like I leveled up on a, on a vibrating level and that, that stream of collective consciousness that I put out there and I connected with went, went and escalated and boom, we had like, you know, we have a monthly show. So I rotate between LA and New York and um, I come in and I do a, a, a monthly show at the pit now. And we're talking about like doing maybe an online variety show We're let's see what happens in the next coming months of, of, of what the, what the story is. But yeah, I would definitely uh, love to have you on the digital show. If we have a, a TSP variety digital show that'd be really cool you doing some yeah. stand up on it it's really different i don't know if you've done one uh it's i i did uh, a live cast uh for stand up new york about two weeks ago i guess or right before right before things got really quarantined down and it was no audience you know because it was they shot it all live in the in the uh, club and it was cool. I mean, I really, it was, there was a nice camaraderie. We got to be around and, you know, and got to see some comedians that I hadn't seen in a while, but they uh, sanitized the microphones after every person and they had wipes up on the stool. So there was a lot of, you know, there were safety precautions and everything, but it was interesting. You know, it's very interesting to do stand up where there is no immediate audience feedback. So do you have, um, with with people doing open mic virtual now, do you have any go to uh, Instagrams or groups that would be a, a good one to jump into? I don't. No, nah, I'm I'm not really a good resource for that. To be honest, I mean, I don't. I'm kind of at a point where I I don't do that many open mics anyway because I'm I'm fortunate enough to kind of be able to find stage time. And then a lot of times the open mics that I do, I usually will know the host, and sometimes I can kind of get in and out. So I haven't done a virtual open mic yet. I don't know. I don't know how that, I don't know how it is. Okay. You know, I am doing I, uh, virtual writing classes for standup. These intro standup classes, we're doing virtual classes with Pitt right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if anybody, and they're only like 10 bucks. So I, saw I think that. It's, it's really just more of a community building thing. But I feel like they're sort of like an open mic, except I'm there to guide. So, you know, we have, we limit it to eight people and then, it's two hours and people go in and they'll, you know, they'll do their set. And then I talk to them 
and give them some feedback on it. Uh, and it's been fun, you know, at least for at least that, I will say that it's been very enjoyable. And then the comedians can give each other feedback. And, and obviously, you know, people are making jokes and it's kind of nice to be part of that virtual community. So I'm sure that there are uh, virtual open mics that are really, really enjoyable. You know? So someone who's new to stand up or someone like me who, um, like you already know my jokes that I did in class, but let's say I have some sure. new jokes it, for someone like me, it would be good to come in and say some new jokes to have the time with you in the community. And it just be a fun thing to kind of work on like a work session to kind of work on some new jokes. Yeah. It's just a little work session. If you have new things that you're working on. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's fun right now. I've been doing them uh, Friday at three o'clock and Saturdays at three o'clock. And like I said, it's only $10. It's also been interesting. We've only done two so far, but in both the other sessions, we had people outside of New York State that were part of the group. So, you know, we, uh, we had a person from Phoenix and um, I think we had uh, someone from Pennsylvania. So it's been interesting too, to just, you know, kind of open it up to people that normally uh, would never get to really work with uh, people in New York and, and kind of be a part of that. Because New York really is, and not really necessarily in an arrogant way, but I mean, New York really is um, a great place for people to work on stand-up uh, because there are so many uh, venues and uh, stage opportunities that's going on in New York. So, I mean, obviously, we're all kind of hoping that with uh, whatever comes out of this pandemic, that the government's going to try to help keep all of these wonderful uh, off-Broadway and stand-up uh, clubs and improv and sketch uh, performance spaces. Hopefully, you know, they'll keep them open because there's not a lot of margin. A lot of these are, you know, they're profit, but they ain't that much profit. And a lot of them are non-profit. So hopefully yeah. uh, the government's going to be able to keep these uh, venues open because that really is one of the beautiful and wonderful things about New York. Just yeah. all the wonderful artistic uh, performance mm -hmm. spaces. Yeah. It's the pure love of the art and it's just at its basic form. Like literally that here's the stage and here's, here's a mic. <laughs> right. Here's yeah. a stage and here's a mic. Yeah. Well, I also see, um, you know, obviously it's so interconnected and every, everything's going to be so different, but maybe, you know, specifically for the pit and some places who are doing online businesses and giving people an opportunity outside of New York, this could actually be a new lane for, for everyone to be, um, you know, reinventing with um, still being able to have the in-person classes when everything blows over. Yeah, I think a lot of businesses are probably going to relook at their model to yeah. include virtual because, you know, people have the time to sort of get it right and to look at it. Um, and also, you know, it's going to be a while before people want to be in very tight, congested performance spaces. Definitely, um, so, definitely. You know, so it's going to be a bit. And then you're available um, for privates as well. If someone who's new or someone who's working on stuff and they just want some you do Skype or Zoom and you can connect with them online, it doesn't have to be in person and you can uh, do privates, right? I can do, I do private writing sessions and it can be whatever you want to work on. Um, I've worked, yeah, and we can do that definitely through uh, whatever you want, Google Hangouts, Zoom, uh, FaceTime, anything that works for you. But that is just one-on-one -on -one and typically do them in 30 minute to an hour increments. And I've worked with people from everything from a stand-up set that they're, they're trying to hone or work on or a, a new person that's never done it before and they just want some work. And also um, outside of stand-up, I've worked with people on their sketch shows that they're working on. 
Um, I've helped several people with their one person show and uh, helped them kind of punch up uh, some of the writing and look at it. There's a author that uh, publishes a lot of books and she sometimes will work with me on uh, punching up some of the, the selections and some of her articles and her books as far as just help her with some joke writing. And so in those things, it's pretty flexible. It can be something where I'm actually helping you more as a teacher or depending on the process, like uh, if it's just like helping someone with something they've already written and they want to punch it up like a one person show. I pretty much function as almost a co-writer or collaborator. Got it. Got it. Cool. Well, I really And all of that, by the way, just go to my website. You can go to chrisgriggscomedy.com and you can find out. You can reach out to me through that. Chris Griggs Comedy. And I'll put it in the show notes as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate you being with me today. And uh, you're awesome. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I would definitely love to have you back in the near future. That'll be great. Appreciate it. Cool, cool. Be safe, everyone. Yes, definitely. You too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Keep it over and out.